Hallelujah. And we just open our mics and say, thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Lord. Open our mics. Thank, thank, thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Open to you, Reverend Bowles. Thank yeah. you, Lord. Okay. This morning, um, I have this tremendous privilege of introducing a very dear friend of mine to you all. Um, I've known Reverend Grant for over 10 years now. I was introduced to her by a dear friend of mine. And ever since that, we have been in touch. And, um, you know, she's easy to talk to. She's a very humble woman, very kind, very compassionate. And she has one son, he's in the, um, the, har the army, the United States Army, and um, she's very crazy about him, <laughs> okay? But um, she's a very lovely person. I love talking to her. So from time to time, I call her on the phone and I have a decision to make. And I said, Daddy, what do you think about this? And she would think about it and she would give me her advice, you know? But that's the, that's the, the relationship we have. So when I asked her to speak, I said to her, send me your bio. She said, no, no, no. Not necessary. I'm just a servant. I said, no, I insisted. I said, you send it to me. <laughs> okay. So she sent it to me this morning. So I'm going to read it. Um, it's a trained teacher with, with a double major in physical education and science. Gra graduate of United Theological College, Brooklyn College, holds an MDiv and an MA psycho psychology. She's a board certified hospice chaplain and currently work as a hospice palliative care chaplain in Florida. She lives in Florida, actually. Port St. Lucie, <laughs> where she lives, okay? <laughs> so I'm so privileged to, you know, to get her to, to speak to you guys. And, and I know that the Holy Spirit is gonna use her to, um, to be a blessing to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Dorothy, your sister, your daughter, whom you love so dearly. Father, I just ask that you will speak to her this morning, Lord. Speak through her this morning to us and let us listen intently. Let us listen, Father. May your Holy Spirit come upon her and speak through her, that willing vessel. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Amen. We welcome you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good it's morning. an honor and uh, quite a privilege to be sharing with you this morning in God's worship. And as my friend Donald says, um, we spend lots of time talking about kingdom business and, and everything, because for us, everything is kingdom business. Mm -hmm. I am so happy to meet the Mrs. Both in person. And <laughs> I'm so sorry you thought you're gonna get away now. <laughs> I know all about you, so I don't have to see you, but I'm happy to see you in person this morning. And so I want to bring you greetings from my own ITRAP ministries and to just um, pray that God will use us in ways that we never expected. And so I bring you greetings, and I know that God is working in, in our lives. Let me share with you a word from the chapter that was read, Luke 23. 
And verse 38 says, and a subscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors who were hanged on the nail, crucified with him, said to Jesus, if thou art the Christ, save thyself and save us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we, just, we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou come into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Let us pray. Lord, we look forward to the paradise of which you speak. And as we come with our hearts bent lower than our knees, I pray that this might be a time when we can think about the moment of the cross. Hear all of our prayers together. Hear all of our individual prayers. And as we worship you and listen to your word, may you bless our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Today you shall be with me in paradise. Today's Palm Sunday. And Normally, we read the scriptures and have the discussions about what takes place on Palm Sunday. The passage I am sharing, I think, could have been fit into Palm Sunday, except that many people, because they're so busy celebrating, would not want to pay attention to the story about two thieves. All of us here, and who are not on this broadcast, we all share a cultural identity. Some of us are in Jamaica. And one of the Jamaican brand is that when we go any place, regardless of where we go and we meet somebody, you're not Jamaican if you don't want to find out who you're related to, where you come from, who is your sister. That is very few Jamaicans don't do that. It is part of our cultural practices because we have a certain way of connecting with people and we want to know with whom we are dealing. And so sometimes after asking about who is sister Jane, brother, sister, cousin, father, or aunt, we go a little bit further and say, well, wait a second, we're sister Ruth's sister there, the one who used to be at such and such a place. It is just part of what we do as a oral and a con connected community. And so here is a question that I ask. In the conversations that took place during the Lenten season, during the steps to the cross, around the time when Jesus was crucified, what happened to those two thieves? What were the stories of the two men who died? We hear that they were thieves, but we don't know what they did. We hear one telling the other one that we are wrongdoers, but according to who? Who it is that made them into wrongdoers? What is it that they did? We have no story. And I want to ask you to consider this. I don't know if they were wrong. 
It is not my job to punish them according to the law because I don't live in their country. It is something for the law of the land to do and for those who are around. It is also my concern about who they did wrong to and what the victims suffered and had to go through. But I also want to wonder, just as how Jesus was condemned, inappropriately so, saving that he should have fulfilled what was prophesied, maybe they didn't do anything wrong either. I don't know. It's just a question and an unease that I have when I read the gospel that I am wondering all the time, who were these people? Who were they connected to? Who were they not connected to? That they suffered this along with our Jesus. I don't think that these accounts were recorded just to take up space. Because if you notice in the scriptures, the three other apostles, they only mention in Mark, Matthew, and John, there is mention of these two thieves being crucified with Jesus. But it is only Luke, the physician. It is only Luke who I would think has the heart of a chaplain. It is only Luke who is interested in what might have been going on, what the thieves were processing that brought the narrative about what they said. I don't think he made it up. And it doesn't seem to be such an important thing. But the fact that Luke was able to bring the story about what was going on with them. There were two men, one on the right, one on the left, obviously justifying and fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, that the Savior will be crucified in the middle of thieves. And here comes the story. There is nothing in the Bible, in my understanding and my considered view that is there just to take up space. It is there for our contemplation. It is there for our um, inspiration. It is there for, for us to consider and to wrestle as the good old apostles did with the things and the ideas that are embedded in the text. So first of all, I wanna say, that I believe this particular narrative was included because the story wanted to remind us that there are people with whom we rub shoulders with. There are people who are not in our category, never went to the same school that we went to, did wrong things. And then all of a sudden we forget that they're human beings too. We forget that they're not just rapists. We forget that they're not just murderers. We forget that they're not just wrongdoers. We forget that they are God's children. My friend tells the story of how when he goes to the prison ministry and when he sat there and, and, and condemned criminals by the country, law of that country, condemn them, then they are in confinement. And when they witness to them, 
And at the end of that, when they break bread with them and break the word with them, and they are remorseful and, and their sins are forgiven, then he has to go home and those people have to stay. And you could only do prison ministry if you have an understanding that these people are also individuals. But what happened to them? What happened to these thieves? We think that they have disappeared. But I want to suggest to you this morning, it is my considered view that they did not disappear, but they live in our lives. The thieves are there as a memory of the things of our, our lives, how we practice our life. The thieves are there. They didn't die. They live in the attitudes that we have to people in this world. So when someone does something that is okay, we get along well with them at church. But when people do not do the things that we considered to be upright, yes, we have to point it out to them, but we put them at the back bench. So today, we don't physically put them at the back bench, but there's a time when churches put people at the back bench, when people are suffering, when people have come um, against the law, have done things wrong, that's when they need the support. So I believe that the story is here to remind us about how we practice the love that we share with Almighty God. It is here to help us to examine the attitude that we have when people don't look like us, don't do the things, don't come from the same track, don't belong to the same nationality, whatever it is. It is there as a reminder. I have told people all the time, it is wonderful to be married and to live a good life. I've told people all the time, it is wonderful to have a good job and to, to have a nice car and to live comfortable. It's good to have children who are well-behaved that don't give you any problem, but that's not what makes you Christian. That's not what makes you a Christian. It is to live your life earnestly. It is to live your life with an attitude that always you will be looking out for those who are underserved. We're talking about giving gifts to, to Kenya. They are not gifts. They are what people need for survival. So here is, here's the story reminding us of how we treat others. We cannot give more than what we have, but if we make a sacrifice, the sister says, give until it hurts. And a sacrifice is what hurts. A sacrifice is something that you cannot afford to give. For when we make sacrifices of our time, we wanna preach to those who are already churched. Sacrifice is something that you cannot afford to give. In other words, when you give, you must be able to look back and say, you know, I could have do well with that plate. Or, you know, I could do well with that $50. It is not the excess. That is not sacrifice. I don't know what is your idea. But it is here to remind us this conversation, conversations from the cross. It's about our attitude, our practice how we treat others. It's not just included to take up space. I also want to suggest 
that here on this cross, when you have one person, the first speaker, there are three thieves, three dying men. Because those of the Roman Empire, they could have well called Jesus a thief because he felt, they felt he was taking away their power. And when you take something away from somebody who they believe or society believe that doesn't belong to you, it is called, it, you're called a thief. So here there are three dying persons, persons about to be crucified. Like I said, the cultural practice of a country, we talk about Jamaica, I'm sure other people have different things. The cultural practice of the Romans in that day was to crucify people. And here are three persons to be crucified. One was speaking blasphemy, was cursing save yourself and save others. Then there's the other one says, call a rebuke to say, don't you fear God? And there's another one who understands and says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Sometimes the attitudes we have is because we don't know these people. Even these two men, we're talking about them. The scripture does not tell us who they are. But we learn later that they gave them two names. The history of the day, call them Gestas and Dismas. But the scripture itself did not tell us who they are. So sometimes we got to pray and let the spirit liberate where it wants to. We don't have to know. We don't have to have all of the answers. And when we talk about answers, it takes me to my second point. So first, it is our attitude and our practice. And secondly, it is our apology and our doctrine. And when it comes to church, there's nothing that splits up churches as doctrine, doctrinal issues. But before I talk about it, I wanna just say, anyone who believes that biblical study is easy or that all you need to live a Christian life, you're living in a fantasy world. The Bible forces us to ask hard questions. You hear our sister? She must have looked at my script. She said, we're going to stump Reverend Bolt with something that he has to go search, wheel and come again, as they say, the Jamaica parlance. It is not easy to follow the Bible. It is not easy to become a Christian because when the world says you must use common sense, it's the opposite of love. We must move from the places that cause us to to, to be easy and, and, and complacent, to move to places where it is hard. And I must tell you, it's not just you, it's me. Because sometimes I say, God must have a very funny sense of humor. After somebody do me all of this, then I must put them on my prayer list. I'm flabbergasted by some of the things that he asks us to do. But common sense and pure love are opposites most time. Conversations from the cross, many conversations around the cross, but they show us how people have different and distinct roles to play. So here's one thief cursing. There's another one rebuking, and I'm not thief, but dying. Jesus died, and he's saying, forgiveness. I wonder what is it that you are portraying as you live your life. I wonder what picture you are painting to those with whom you work, 
or those with whom you dialogue, what image do they have of you? Doctrine, here Jesus says to Dismas, today you shall be with me in paradise. It is clear in the scriptures. It says, unless a man is born again of water and the Holy Spirit, he will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we talk about easy, being a Christian and, and doing theology and doing Bible study. Here is a moment where this man is not going to be baptized unless we believe, like some of the Catholic do, that he's going to go to purgatory and wait. But I want to believe that this is Jesus and whatever he says, that's what it is. In an instant, he says, you will be with me in paradise, not tomorrow, today. There are lots of things that are doctrinal issues. And I always say that I believe that if Jesus were to come back here on the earth, Maybe he couldn't find a church to go to because we have just taken so many things and put it in so many ways. And the real reason why we do that is that we want everything to add up. So we don't work out our differences with fear and trembling, as the Philippians book says. We leave and go to someplace else where we are out on a limb. We don't speak together as a voice, as one voice with one work, working together, sitting down and sorting out our differences, collecting together. If it's money we are collecting together and say, this is for this and this is for that. We look like the leaders of the world now who are so anxious for power that they cannot speak to each other. And everyone is blaming the other. And some are saying it's okay when some do it and some don't do it. And some are saying you did it before, so now you should not be talking. And some are saying two wrongs don't make a right. When we begin to do that, we want to control the outcome. All of us, all of us in our own way, whether we are dealing with our children, whether we are dealing with our spouses, we want our way. It is our way of becoming comfortable. So if something doesn't go right, we blame the other one. This morning, this conversation from the cross, from none other person than the scum of the earth, two thieves, should be able to instruct us when God says, I will always be with you. I will never leave you alone. When Jesus Christ says, when I come, the songwriter picks it up and says, farther along, we know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Whether it is tears, whether it is something we don't understand, let us not destroy ourselves. Let us not destroy this treasure we have in earth and vessels because we want to pick at some things which are on the outside of the heart. So we have our attitude and our practice. We have our apology and our doctrines. 
But I want to say something else that I see from this story that instructs me is that here on the cross, the story about the thieves is a story about us. The symbols in our life, the images represented in our lives, being a human being, I work in hospice and I see suffering. I work with persons who are dying, people who are at the, in the departure lounge, people who have regrets, people who have lost meaning, people who wants to have connection, not only to Christ, but connection with their families because the condition of life that they are now experiencing, they feel that if they had their families with them, see their grandchildren, it would be easier. Those persons on the cross, those two thieves, represent every man and every woman. Because crucifixion is not an old and barbaric punishment to a few unfortunate lawbreakers a long time ago, it is about us. If I were to make a change to the order of the text, I would also put the narrative a little earlier of the thieves. Because on the Sunday morning, or on the day that we celebrate, this day that we celebrate as Palm Sunday, people were rejoicing, people were crying tears of joy. But there are people who were suffering that were also in the crowd. And I applaud them and I applaud you. For we do not want to be bogged down with all the difficulties of life. But what I want to remind you is that there is much that we should learn and would learn from the difficulties of life. For life is not always in the happy places. We have our own Golgotha. We have our own place of skull. We have our own Calvary. And we need to understand that when life stripped us down, what we are waiting for is someone to say today, you will be with me in paradise. None of us will escape the pain of a cross. No matter how talented you are, no matter how beautiful you are, no matter how long you are married, no matter how long you have benefited from a nice good job, no matter how spiritually advanced you are, you will have your own crucifixion, being crucified every day. Maybe not among two thieves, but among many thieves. People who try to rob you. And I think the idea of a thief on the left and a thief on the right is an indication, so no matter where you turn, maka jukyo. The gospel text does not tell us their name, but the gospel text tells us their position. For sometimes the people who are thieves around you and criminals, you don't know who they are. You don't know their name, but you know they exist because they come to steal our lives and to destroy. And if you want to go further, one could represent the past. 
the past of regret and remorse and revenge and habit and the future which eats away our life because of anxiety. One of the things that happen to us while we become so stressed, if any teachers are here, they will tell you that in the language of anywhere you speak, but in English, you have past, present, and future. We have to live in the present. And anytime you begin to find yourself as a Christian or in your, in your normal life, you start to live in the past and the present or the present and the future, you are doomed to be stressed. And if you don't believe me, try it. So you're here and you're so worried. Make your plans. Do what you do, but leave all to God. We have to accept what God gives to us. He gives to us peace. He said to that, those thief, that thief who was anxious about death, he turns to him and says, today, you will be with me in paradise. And so the story of the thieves is about us. Not that we are thieves, but it instructs us in terms of where we should go how we practice our faith, what are the apologies we make, and finally, the acceptance of who we are, to whom do we belong, and the repentance that we receive, the forgiveness that we receive, and our entrance waiting to take place as we are grateful for all that God has done for us. I don't know where you are on this, on this road. I don't know if you're lifted up. I don't know where you are, but I ask you, as you consider the paradise that God has given to you, as we celebrate on Palm Sunday and await to celebrate on Easter, Remember, your paradise is made fuller and better. If you know who you are, if you can accept God's grace, if you can change your attitude in how you witness to other people, because souls are waiting for your witness. Today, if you hear my voice, remember that Jesus says, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Amen.